Anyone got a mom like that? Anyone been a mom like that? As I watched you watch that, I could see faces going, I've been there. It's laying down boundaries for people who don't want boundaries, and it's not easy. We want to welcome you if you're coming to Highlands for the first time. This is our worship service. This is where we worship God every week, and we're on our third series of called Parenthood, and we're taking a look at how God can help us become better parents, and most parenting series are for people of young kids, and uh, this series is actually for people of all age kids. So if your kids are in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, wherever you're going, uh, that this series is for you. I also know that about 5% of our congregation don't have kids that uh, for whatever reason, uh, you don't have kids. And all we can say is, you know, we really envy you. So, um, <laughs> all right. I uh, had the privilege of speaking in Santa Maria this last week, Israel's church. And uh, I know Israel spoke up here. And I just hope that you pray for that church. I believe that's a church that we can help, we can pray for, and we can support in lots of different ways. He's a wonderful pastor, and he's a part of our team here. Uh, and they have one worship service, as opposed to uh, our three. And uh, I loved it, though, going down. It's fun to see a church from the outside, especially your own. So 8.30, I'm driving down to Santa Maria, right? And I pass Highlands, and I see people coming into the building. You know, it just gives a pastor a certain kind of pride, right? It's like watching your kid uh, walk down the aisle of graduation or something like that. Well, then uh, the service ended about 11 o'clock there, so I drove home and I saw people leaving church at 12 o'clock here. And I thought, you know, from an outsider's perspective, many people think we have four-hour worship services. So <laughs> anyway, that was fun. Also want to welcome those who are listening on our podcast, and a lot of people drive to different places in California throughout the week and continue to uh, listen to these. This is a woman who came back to church a little bit through the podcast. She wrote this, hi Graham, went to your church this last Easter. She was there. She went to our first service in the building. She loved it, but never came back until recently. She wants to thank us for the message. She said, I'm not sure why, but I really just could not stop crying for the entire service. My preaching has that effect on a lot of people. Um, <laughs> Maybe it was because the beautiful children or the music they talked to and the, the low tide really helped me in my life. But this is the part I wanted you to hear. I enjoy your church so much because it feels real. I don't feel like I'm going to have to be judged if somebody sees me downtown having a glass of wine or something in my life. She said, I've attended other churches that always made you feel like you had to be perfect or at least pretend to be that you were. She says her husband's a winemaker in town and it's nice to see familiar faces in a real church. So we want to welcome you and I want to thank you for being that real church. So today we're going to talk about boundaries. We're going to talk about helping develop boundaries. Now usually when we talk about boundaries in parenting, we are talking about the rules or the lines or the walls that we draw for our kids. I happen to be the world's worst artist. But usually when we're talking about boundaries, we're talking about the things that we don't want our kids to do, whatever age they are, 30, 40, 10, 2. We see this is a road you don't want to go down. That is one form of boundary. But there is actually another form of boundary which is just as important, I would say even more important, and that's what we're going to look at today, and that is, or those are the boundaries that we draw between us and our kids. It's the boundary which says, I am parent and you are kid, son, daughter. As long as you don't try to be parent and as long as I don't try to be kid, more importantly, this thing is going to work out. But if we don't recognize those boundaries, this thing's not going to work. I was counseling a family, a couple who were struggling with their 12-year-old daughter. She was beginning to experiment with crossing these kinds of boundaries. And uh, so we talked about it. In the middle of our uh, counseling session, the phone rings, her phone rings. 
And she said, I got to get this. And she went from this speaking voice that I'm talking with you to, to this. Oh, hi, Susie. Totally. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've got the bonbons. We're going to watch the videos later. Like seven hours. Totally. I like you a lot too. BFF. Okay. Bye. <laughs> That's my best valley girl, okay? <laughs> Working on that all week. So the, the phone goes down and I said, well, who is that you were talking to? She said, well, that's my daughter, my 12-year-old. The, the 12-year-old I said that you were just talking about boundary issues with? And I thought to myself, well, maybe the problem here is that you are not respecting the boundaries. You're not your kid's friend. You're not her BFF. You're her mom. Now, that's what we're going to talk about today, those boundaries. And where you find mixed and crossed boundaries here, you will find boundaries that are broken here. So we're going to take a look at this. Now, actually, our whole faith is based on boundaries. The Bible, this book that we look at every single week that we call the Bible, we could call it the book of boundaries. It's a, it's a book of people who cross the boundaries that God laid down again and again and again and again. Through this season of personal discipleship, we want to encourage you to bring Bibles uh, to church. If you don't have one, we want to give you one. There are lots everywhere. Uh, so what we're going to do during this part of worship from now on is just raise the lights a little bit so that you can read your Bibles if you have them and you can put notes in them. Amen? Amen. All right, let's look at our text. We're looking at Jeremiah 31 through 34. Now, let's just start with the first boundary God laid down in the Old Testament. So he creates Adam and Eve. And he says, you can do anything in this garden, anything, potatoes, tomatoes, whatever you want, but just don't touch this tree. And we all know what happened. God was walking through the garden one evening and he sees that Adam and Eve are not around. If you look at the King James, you actually see God is walking through the garden that evening and he sees that they're not around. He knows they've crossed the boundary. So the boundaries are then crossed again during a time of a guy named Noah and the boundaries in the world are crossed again and again and again. And one family has not crossed them. He said, I'm going to preserve you. And the boundaries are crossed in the, in the desert with the Israelites and the Egyptians. And uh, God says to the Israelites, look, I will take care of you. You will make it to the promised land if you do three things. Follow Moses, follow my law, and don't complain. And at least one of those boundaries got crossed. So now God is trying to reset the boundary lines. And this is a really key point for parents today. It is never too late to reset your relationship with your kids. Never. There is never a time when you have done something too wrong or they have done something too wrong to not say, okay, we're starting over. <laughs> this is day one. We're starting over today. So this is what we're going to look at. Now God's going to reset the boundaries. This is 600 years before Jesus. We're looking at Jeremiah's time. This is our text. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Those of you who know the New Testament, that should echo in your ears. When Jesus is at the table, he says, I am the new covenant. I am the blood which is poured out for the remission of your sins. He then continues, with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, I will, make, I will not be like the covenant I made before. Remember that one in the Garden of Eden and the one with Noah and the one I made in the desert with the Israelites. No, this is going to be a new one. Because they broke my covenant, and though I was like a husband to them. We're going to do a series called Marriage Ref in about a month. And so we're going to look at boundaries between husband and wife. Uh, but we're not going to look at that today. But that's a really key point to a healthy marriage. This is the covenant, he says. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. This is one of the biggest keys, actually, 
to, uh, to your relationship with your kids. The law, what's right and wrong is already on their hearts. It's already there. You basically don't have to put it there. They know basically. Now, here's the covenant. I will be their God and they will be my people. What God is saying here is, I'm going to be God as long as you be my people. I will be God, you be my people. If you try to be God, this is not going to work out. If I try to be you, this is not going to work out. I am God and you are my people. As long as you recognize that, this relationship will work. And he just finishes, no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord because they will know me. It's on their hearts. They will already know this stuff. And he finishes with this powerful, uplifting verse, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That's another key to parenting. You can't keep a record of everything your kids have ever done. I will remember all the stuff you've done no more. It's a clean slate. Reset today. So it's going to be a surprise to you to hear that my 22-month-old has already started to cross boundaries in our relationship. (laughs) And uh, what's really comforting to me is I've heard that as soon as she turns two, it's all going to get better. And from then on, from two until like 18, she never crosses boundaries again. Is that pretty much the truth? So I'm reading a book recently, and I'm living uh, in the living room with my book, and Haley comes along, and you've seen the way I do communion, where I take the, the bread and, uh, you know, the juice in a very serious way. She takes her toys, she lifts them up to me like it's the communion of the Lord Jesus Christ, and she says, toys. And then she turns the bin upside down, and she says, bye, toys. <laughs> And then I could swear she does this. Now, I try to draw the boundary. I say, no. That always works, doesn't it? She goes back, and she grabs more toys, and she lifts up those toys, and she does it again, like Vanna White, you know, from Wheel of Fortune. She's like rolling out the letters, you know? She says, toys. Then she dumps it again and says, bye, toys. And I said, no. Now, Verbal boundaries are actually not always the strongest boundaries. But I laid down a boundary, which always works for her. I hope it will always work. It's two letters. Actually, it's four letters. It's two syllables. And it puts fear in her like nothing else. In a good way. I said, nai nai. (laughs) Which, as you know, means bedtime. Doesn't matter what time of day it is, you know, 8.30 in the morning, 9 p.m., 9 a.m., noon. If I say 9-9, I have reestablished a boundary here. (laughs) There is sort of a separation. You can go there and I can go here. And it stopped right there. Now, that's just one little thing that I'm hoping works again for the next 18 years, but I (laughs) have a feeling it won't. What I want to talk about today is help you develop boundaries with your kids. Because the better your boundaries are, and by the way, we're not talking about rock-solid walls that can never be crossed. We're talking about boundaries. Let's talk about that. Number one, we're going to talk about the best way to develop boundaries is TLC. And actually, we're not talking about tender, loving care. And we're also not talking about the R&B group, TLC. This is a mnemonic for you to remember. We're talking about trust, love, consistency. Trust, love, consistency. You develop boundaries through developing trust, love, tough love, 
and consistency. I heard about a little boy who and her dad, the dad was at a camp. They were at this lodge and they'd had a campfire that night and it was sort of this cabin and the house caught on fire. And the dad is there uh, in the house and he rushes out, but the boy's on the second floor and he can't get out. And he's yelling and crying from the second floor, this house is on fire. And the, dad, and the little boy says, Daddy, I can't see you. I don't know where you are. And the dad says, I'm here. And the little boy says, I can't see you. And the dad says, I know you can't see me, but I can see you. And that's all that matters. Trust me, kid. Jump. And the boy jumps over the flames and over the smoke, and he's caught by his dad. Trust is the key to all boundaries. Now, I used to think that trust is something you just get. Like the kid is born and you got trust, right? Wrong. Trust is something you have to reestablish and reestablish and reestablish and reestablish your whole life. Some of you have 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds and you thought that the trust you had to develop stopped way back at 18. It's redeveloped all the time. It begins when your two-year-old hurts her knee and she falls down. And you go and pick her up and you say, it's going to be okay and there's trust. Then it continues a little later when she gets bad grades at school and she feels bad about herself. You say, we're going to work on those and trust is redeveloped. And it's redeveloped a little later when uh, you go uh, and you find out your kid is being bullied at school and you go down to the principal's office and say, this can't keep going, Mr. Fernartner. Let's figure this thing out. And it's redeveloped. The trust is redeveloped when your daughter calls you way past curfew later in life. And she's at a party she's not supposed to be at. And you go pick her up. You say, we're going to talk about this tomorrow. Tonight, I'm just glad you're safe and sound. And trust is redeveloped. And it's redeveloped after your kids leave home. And they call and they've got kids of their own. And they call and they say, Dad, hi, how's it going? Hey, look, I'm in real trouble. We can't make our payments this month. Can you help out? And if you can... Trust is redeveloped when you help out there. Trust has to be redeveloped and redeveloped and redeveloped. So that's number one. Number two is love, but it's not like gushy, warm, fuzzy love, right? It's tough love. (laughs) It's the love that actually hurts you. It actually hurts you more than it hurts them. Found some tough love uh, cartoons online this last week. This one I thought was kind of cute. I find the best way to get them to grow up is to buy them a one-way ticket to Europe and let them work their way back. That's not good. This is one that definitely doesn't work. Get in there and clean up your room. Guys, (laughs) firearms and kids never mix. This is a a person in therapy. Mother believed in tough love. She was always there for me when I needed a cold shoulder to cry on. So love is something that actually means something that actually is not always pleasant for you. But it's your job. The last thing and the most important thing is consistency. Now, I did not study parenting in college, but I did study political science. And funnily enough, there are some cross applications. I remember one professor talking to me about consistency in government. And he said, now, there are two different models. There's Sweden. And in Sweden, you can be pulled over by a cop about four times a week. There are so many law enforcement officers in Sweden, they just pull you over. But it's usually just a conversation. It's like fellowship. They're like, oh, hi, how are you? Oh, good, good, okay, bye, bye. If you were going home from a church in Sweden, you would actually, uh, you'd be pulled over a couple times by cops. But they never really do anything, but there's that constant presence. Now, Bulgaria is the other model. 
In Bulgaria, there are only about 10 cops on the road. And you can pretty much do anything you want in Bulgaria for a while, right? You can drive 150 miles an hour. You can rob banks. You can do all those things. But when they catch you, it's a serious punishment. Now, here's the thing. As a parent, you can't be both Sweden and Bulgaria. It's not going to work. You can't be always pulling your kids over and be Bulgaria simultaneously. That's punitive. On the other hand, you can't be never pulling your kids over and not have anything happen. The other thing is you can't go from Sweden to Bulgaria in one week. That will really confuse your kids. Wait a minute, you were Sweden last week, now you're Bulgaria. Now, we all know this gets real fun when we've got, when we've got moms and uh, spouses and dads who are on different playing fields. The key here is consistency. Consistency. So that's number one. Number two is this, and this is going to be a hard thing to hear for some people. That is that you and I have to be honest about our own emotional needs as parents. We got to be honest about what our expectations are emotionally from our kids. So last week, as Richard said, we were at this conference in Southern California, and we had to room together uh, different staff members because we were trying to save money. So Israel Gonzalez and I roomed together. And you know when you're watching a show that you don't want the other people person to know that you're watching. So you flip the channel real quick. So I was watching Dr. Phil. And I just didn't want Israel to know that I was watching Dr. Phil, right? So he came in. He's like, I saw you. You were I flipped to Sports Center. Because that's always safe, isn't it? He's like, I saw you. You were watching Dr. Phil. I was not watching Dr. Phil. But anyway, I was, but I don't tell him that I was watching Dr. Phil, would you? Anyway. Let's last week on Dr. Phil, they had parents who have kids who are 16 years old. Now, usually when you have these shows, it's about kids who have messed up, made mistakes, and they just regret everything. This show is fan- really fascinating. It was about 15 and 16-year-old girls who were planning on having kids. That was their purpose, their plan. They, were the whole, they had it all mapped out. And Dr. Phil asked, well, why are you trying to have kids? And this one girl She had her baby in her arms. She's 16 years old. And she said, I just wanted to find somebody who would love me. At least she's honest about her emotional needs. But you can't go for that kind of love, obviously, from your kids. I want to give you a couple of categories to watch out for on emotional needs. Number one is your friend needs. You can't be your kid's BFF. Let me ask you something. If you are not the parent of your kid, who will be? Who will be? They're going to have lots of friends. But you're the only one who can really ever be their parent. Work needs. This is something happened in the old days, but you still find that these days. You find people who have a farm and they have kids in order to work on the farm. Or whatever, right? You can't actually rely on your kids for work needs. Ego needs. That's the sporting event that you go to and your kid doesn't do well. He doesn't hit a home run. And you hear how many parents who are just really angry that their kids didn't hit a home run and the kid's fine with it, but the dad's not because he's trying to live out his ego needs. Here's a tough one that we just have to lift up. Romantic needs. This is the worst crossing of boundaries that exists. But I just have to say this happens and it's wrong But it happens. Statistically, it's something like 5% of the population of any given area. 
So what we want to say to you today is we are a church that does not judge. We are a church where nobody is perfect. But if you are involved in something like this, this has to stop today. And we'll help you with that. Finally, it's God needs. This is really the toughest one. God, again, again, remember, God is whoever or whatever in your life is what you are basically worshiping. And you know, parents who, you know when they're having their kids be their God, you know that. It's when they leave, the kids. And all parents are sad when the kids leave. But when parents have made their kids their God for 18 years, their lives fall apart. We need to make Jesus Christ the God of our lives. And that sets our kids free to be kids. So that's number two. Be honest about your emotional needs. And number three is this. Remember that Jesus Christ is the model. He's the model. When he said, I am your God and you are my people, he wasn't saying, I am going to be this deep, dark, white-bearded character from the heavens who sends thunderbolts down whenever I'm mad. No. Jesus Christ is our God. And he crossed this boundary. He did that because he loved us so much. He lived with us, and he ate with us, and he hung out with us, and he took care of our needs. He served us. And then he died for us. And I'll lay one on all of you. Your job is to do the same with your kids. That's your job. Heard about a dad who was in Alaska hunting with his son. True story. And the hunting trip went well. And they had uh, their, their kill, and they had it in the plane. And the pilot took off. And this little biplane in Alaska flew just above the iceberg, and then it crashed into the iceberg. And this plane went into the water, and the pilot died, and it just left the father and the son. And there they are. It's getting late, 5, 6 o'clock in Alaska. There's one down jacket. And the dad says, you take that kid. You take it. Oh, no, you need it, dad. No, no, I'm going to be fine. He knew he wasn't going to be fine. But he knew that wasn't going to keep his kid warm enough. And so he wrapped his arms around his kid. And he said, I'm just going to hold you tonight. And he held his kid as long as he could. About five or six in the morning, he found his arms starting to numb. And he, he just went to sleep himself on the ice. About 8 a.m., a biplane comes in and finds the kid shivering there on the ice. And the dad is down. He's asleep on the paramedic comes and he wraps the kid up. He does the best he can with his dad. He says, son, I'm so sorry. Your dad didn't make it. And the kid said, yeah, I know. He wrapped me up last night. I'm here because of what he did for me. All of us are here because of what our Father and our, our Savior, Jesus Christ, did for us. So let's do it. Let's be good parents. And let's have Jesus Christ be our model. Do you pray with me? God in heaven, I thank you so much for this incredible responsibility as a community. Pray, Father, that you would be in our hearts and in our minds. Give us encouragement, sustenance. I ask that you would help us to follow your example of your son. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.